This is the Bible in one year, day 232. How to listen to the Holy Spirit. Will Wisby was a successful young estate agent. He was fiercely skeptical of Christianity. One Sunday, a friend invited him to HGB. During that service, someone had a word of knowledge that went like this. There's a man here who is expecting a soft-top sports car to be delivered in the next two days. He's worked all his life so hard to achieve success. Work has been his life. He's got the car, the house, the lifestyle, and he's not happy. And God wants him to know that there's something more important for him to focus on. Subsequently, Will wrote, I couldn't believe it. My new car was the nicest I'd bought. It was arriving in literally two days, and I hadn't told anyone. I was earning a 100000 a year. My work was my life. That night, for the first time in my life, I really prayed. Will encountered Jesus Christ and was filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, now I know Jesus does exist. He loves me and he's with me. Many of us live in a busy and noisy world. In the midst of all the noise, talk and distractions, how do you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? From Proverbs 20 Gold there is and rubies in abundance, but lips that speak knowledge are a rare jewel. Take the garment of one who puts up security for a stranger. Hold it in pledge if it is done for an outsider. Food gained by fraud tastes sweet, but one ends up with a mouth full of gravel. Plans are established by seeking advice, so if you wage war, obtain guidance. A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. If someone curses their father or mother, their lamp will be snuffed out in pitch darkness. An inheritance claimed too soon will not be blessed at the end. Do not say, I'll pay you back for this wrong. Wait for the Lord, and he will avenge you. The Lord detests differing weights, and dishonest scales do not please him. A person's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand their own way? Listen to wisdom and knowledge. One of the ways in which you can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit is through the wise advice of others. Wise and knowledgeable people are invaluable. Gold there is and rubies in abundance, but lips that speak knowledge are a rare jewel. Drinking from the beautiful chalice of knowledge is better than adorning oneself with gold and rare gems. Seek help when making important decisions. Make plans by seeking advice. You're still responsible for your actions, though. Form your purpose by asking for counsel, then carry it out using all the help you can get. The book of Proverbs is itself full of wise advice. It tells you to be careful of the gossips who betray confidence and to avoid people who talk too much. Gossips can't keep secrets, so never confide in blabbermouths. One well-known gossip had this maxim embroidered on her cushion. If you haven't got anything good to say about anyone, come and sit by me. Another piece of wise advice is the warning against taking revenge. Don't ever say, I'll get you for that. Wait for God. He'll settle the score. Listening to the Holy Spirit means listening to the word of the Lord. Person's steps are directed by the Lord. How can any understand their own way? Listen to the Spirit as he speaks to you through the scriptures. Lord, thank you 
that your Holy Spirit speaks to me through the Scriptures. Help me to hear and obey your voice. New Testament from 1 Corinthians 14 Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the pipe or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. For this reason the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, how can someone else, who is now put in the position of an inquirer, say, Amen, to your thanksgiving, since they do not know what you are saying? You are giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than ten thousand words in a tongue. Listen through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Exalt love, but do not in any way downplay the importance of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Paul emphasizes both. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Some people say that we should desire the giver and not the gifts, but the giver tells us to desire the gifts. Prophecy is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit through which the Spirit speaks to the church. Paul emphasizes the importance of this gift for the church. It's even more important than speaking in tongues. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I'd rather have you prophesy. Although Paul was speaking into a situation where the gift of tongues was in danger of misuse, he was still remarkably positive about the gift. Paul says that those who pray in tongues edify themselves. It's a good gift for everyone. 
The gift of tongues is a way of praying in the Spirit and is primarily thanks and praise. He testifies about his own use of this gift. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Paul makes a distinction between the use of the gift in private, which he generally encourages, and the use of the gift publicly in the church. If one speaks in tongues in church, there needs to be an interpretation. When it's used together with the gift of interpretation, it becomes the equivalent of prophecy. The gift of interpretation enables the church to be edified after a tongue has been given publicly. All those with the gift of tongues should pray for this gift also, so the church can be edified. Prophecy is the ability to hear what God is saying and pass it on to others. It's a spiritual gift of very high importance in the church and should be eagerly desired. It's not necessarily about foretelling the future. Rather, it is usually forthtelling what God is saying in the current situation. The early Christians came to see the Old Testament as essentially prophecy. The Old Testament is the prophetic witness to Jesus. The New Testament is the apostolic witness to Jesus. There is no equivalent today in terms of authority. The words of prophets today are not of equal authority with the prophets and apostles whose words form the scriptures. Scripture is for all Christians in all places at all times. A prophetic word is a particular word inspired by God, given to a particular person or persons at a particular moment for a particular purpose. It is a human and sometimes partially mistaken report of something that the Holy Spirit has brought to someone's mind. Nevertheless, Paul places a very high value on the gift of prophecy because it's a gift that builds up the church and can have an impact on those who are unbelievers. If an unbeliever comes in while everybody is prophesying, the secrets of their hearts will be laid bare, so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. This is exactly what happened to Will Wisby. Prophecy needs to be tested. Two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. First, is it in line with the Bible? God's not going to contradict himself. Second, what is the character of the prophet? Are they a person of love? Third, what is the effect of the prophecy? Paul writes, those who prophesy speak to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. True prophetic words will always be positive in the sense that they will strengthen, encourage, and comfort people. On the whole, prophetic words are confirming what the Holy Spirit has already placed in our hearts. If you're unsure about a prophetic word, do not act hastily, but do what Mary, the mother of Jesus, did. Wait and ponder it in your heart. Lord, help us as a church to create an atmosphere of expectation to hear the Holy Spirit speak to us as we listen, following the way of love and eagerly desiring the spiritual gifts. Old Testament, from 2 Chronicles 10-12 to 12. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone there to make him king. When Jeroboam son of Nebat heard this, he was in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon, he returned from Egypt. So they sent for Jeroboam. And he and all Israel went to Rehoboam and said to him, Your father put a heavy yoke on us. But now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. Rehoboam answered, Come back to me in three days. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people, he asked. They replied, 
if you will be kind to these people and please them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. But Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and who were serving him. He asked them, What is your advice? How should we answer these people who say to me, Lighten the yoke your father put on us? The young men, who had grown up with him, replied, The people have said to you, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Now tell them, My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. Three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to Rehoboam as the king had said, Come back to me in three days. The king answered them harshly, rejecting the advice of the elders. He followed the advice of the young men and said, My father made your yoke heavy. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people. For this turn of events was from God to fulfill the word that the Lord had spoken to Jeroboam son of Nebat through Ahijah the Shilonite. When all Israel saw that the king refused to listen to them, they answered the king, What share do we have in David? What part in Jesse's son? To your tents, Israel. Look after your own house, David. So all the Israelites went home. But as for the Israelites who were living in the towns of Judah, Rehoboam still ruled over them. King Rehoboam sent out Adoniram, who was in charge of forced labor. But the Israelites stoned him to death. King Rehoboam, however, managed to get into his chariot and escape to Jerusalem. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. 2 Chronicles chapter 11 when Rehoboam arrived in Jerusalem, he mustered Judah and Benjamin, a hundred and eighty thousand able young men, to go to war against Israel and to regain the kingdom for Rehoboam. But this word of the Lord came to Shemaiah the man of God. Say to Rehoboam, son of Solomon, king of Judah, and to all Israel in Judah and Benjamin, this is what the Lord says. Do not go up to fight against your fellow Israelites. Go home every one of you, for this is my doing. So they obeyed the words of the Lord and turned back from marching against Jeroboam. Rehoboam lived in Jerusalem and built up towns for defense in Judah, Bethlehem, Etam, Tekoa, Bethzua, Soko, Adalam, Gath, Marisha, Ziph, Adoraim, Lachish, Azekah, Zorah, Ajalon and Hebron. These were fortified cities in Judah and Benjamin. He strengthened their defenses and put commanders in them with supplies of food, olive oil, and wine. He put shields and spears in all the cities and made them very strong. So Judah and Benjamin were his. The priests and Levites from all their districts throughout Israel sided with him. The Levites even abandoned their pasture lands and property and came to Judah and Jerusalem because Jeroboam and his sons had rejected them as priests of the Lord, 
when he appointed his own priests for the high places and for the goat and calf idols he had made. Those from every tribe of Israel, who set their hearts on seeking the Lord, the God of Israel, followed the Levites to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices to the Lord, the God of their ancestors. They strengthened the kingdom of Judah and supported Rehoboam, son of Solomon, for three years, following the ways of David and Solomon during this time. Rehoboam married Maalath, who was the daughter of David's son, Jerimoth, and Abihail, the daughter of Jesse's son, Eliab. She bore him sons, Jeush, Shemariah, and Zaham. Then he married Maacah, daughter of Absalom, who bore him Abijah, Atai, Ziza, and Shalomith. Rehoboam loved Maacah, daughter of Absalom, more than any of his other wives and concubines. In all, he had eighteen wives and sixty concubines, twenty-eight sons, and sixty daughters. Rehoboam appointed Abijah, son of Maacah, as crown prince among his brothers, in order to make him king. He acted wisely, dispersing some of his sons throughout the districts of Judah and Benjamin and to all the fortified cities. He gave them abundant provisions and took many wives for them. 2 Chronicles chapter 12 After Rehoboam's position as king was established and he had become strong, he and all Israel with him abandoned the law of the Lord. Because they had been unfaithful to the Lord, Shishak, king of Egypt, attacked Jerusalem in the fifth year of King Rehoboam. With twelve hundred chariots and sixty thousand horsemen and the innumerable troops of Libyans, Succites, and Cushites that came with him from Egypt, he captured the fortified cities of Judah and came as far as Jerusalem. Then the prophet Shemaiah came to Rehoboam and to the leaders of Judah who had assembled in Jerusalem for fear of Shishak, and he said to them, this is what the Lord says. You have abandoned me. Therefore, I now abandon you to Shishak. The leaders of Israel and the king humbled themselves and said, The Lord is just. When the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, this word of the Lord came to Shemaiah. Since they have humbled themselves, I will not destroy them, but will soon give them deliverance. My wrath will not be poured out on Jerusalem through Shishak. They will, however, become subject to him, so that they may learn the difference between serving me and serving the kings of other lands. When Shishak, king of Egypt, attacked Jerusalem, he carried off the treasures of the temple of the Lord and the treasures of the royal palace. He took everything, including the gold shields that Solomon had made. So King Rehoboam made bronze shields to replace them and assigned these to the commanders of the guard on duty at the entrance to the royal palace. Whenever the king went to the Lord's temple, the guards went with him bearing the shields, and afterwards they returned them to the guard room. Because Rehoboam humbled himself, the Lord's anger turned from him, and he was not totally destroyed. Indeed, there was some good in Judah. King Rehoboam established himself firmly in Jerusalem and continued as king. He was forty-one years old when he became king, and he reigned for seventeen years in Jerusalem, the city the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel in which to put his name. His mother's name was Naamah. She was an Ammonite. 
He did evil because he had not set his heart on seeking the Lord. As for the events of Rehoboam's reign from beginning to end, are they not written in the records of Shemaiah the prophet and of Iddo the seer that deal with the genealogies? There was continual warfare between Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Rehoboam rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David, and Abijah his son succeeded him as king. Listen to good advice and prophetic words. Rehoboam made a big mistake. The Holy Spirit spoke to him through the elders. They said, if you will be a servant to this people, be considerate of their needs and respond with compassion. Work things out with them. They'll end up doing anything for you. Rehoboam made the mistake of rejecting the advice of the elders. He listened instead to some extremely bad advice from the young men he had grown up with. He told the people, My father thrash you with whips, I'll beat you bloody with chains. He did not listen to the people. When all Israel saw that the king refused to listen to them, they rebelled. But God did not give up speaking to Rehoboam. The word of the Lord came to Shemaiah, the man of God, and he was told to go and tell Rehoboam, This is what the Lord says. This time the king and the people were unified in listening to the Lord. They obeyed the words of the Lord and turned back from marching against Jeroboam. Later, God spoke again through the prophet Shemaiah. God's word, you abandon me, now I abandon you. Again they listened. They humbled themselves and said, the Lord is just. As a result, when the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, this word of the Lord came to Shemaiah. Since they have humbled themselves, I will not destroy them, but will soon give them deliverance. Lord, please give me wisdom in hearing your voice. Help me to learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit. Pepper adds, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 4 says, Those who speak in a tongue edify themselves. When a friend of mine some years ago was asked whether she'd like the gift of tongues, she replied, if it helps. I need all the help I can get. I am so grateful to God for this gift, as many times I've been unable to articulate what I'm feeling, and I've used this gift to pour out my heart on various subjects.